Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. Our text this morning is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is the last sermon in the series of messages focused on Christmas. Let us stand out of reverence for the word of the Lord as he speaks to us this morning. Beginning with the verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold... The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. May God bless the reading of His Word. You may be seated. So there was a story I heard a few years ago that really resonated with me because I can remember when my mother, a widow, married my father. I was six or seven years old, and I heard this story, and it meant a lot to me personally. There was a widowed young mother in Texas, and she had a young daughter, and she married another man, and he did not have any children. And the daughter and her new father were having a difficulty coming together, getting to know each other very tense at times and the year passed and the father routinely said to the mother what can I do to earn her affection what can I do so that she will love me and think of me as her dad and the young mother just said pray about it be patient and pray about it and so he did And Christmas morning, the young girl looked to her new father and she said, I have a surprise for you. 
So when they married, when he moved into the home, he moved into her home. And he put all of his stuff in boxes. You know, men don't typically need a lot. And so he put most everything in his boxes and he put most everything in storage. Now he was a rabid Dallas Cowboys fan. He loved the Dallas Cowboys and he had framed jerseys and he had autographed pictures. He had mementos. He had a lot of things that he treasured regarding the Dallas Cowboys. And so the little girl grabbed his hand and they got up from under the Christmas tree and they walked down the hallway and they turned and they walked into her room. And here's what she had done. She had cleaned out a corner of her room and taken those toys and those mementos and the things that she loved and she put them in a box. She drug it into her closet. As this young dad with the daughter that came to him through marriage, as he turned the corner in her room, he saw in that corner those Dallas Cowboy items. A jersey, a helmet, an autographed picture. It wasn't put up correctly. It even wasn't even put up nicely. It was kind of jammed in the corner as a child would do. But there it was. And he broke down in tears and he thought about the faithfulness of God because of his prayers. This little girl had made room for him in her room and in her heart. So special. And so as we come to our text this morning from Matthew, and we think about the song that we're going to sing, Joy to the World, one of the lines is, let every heart prepare him room. So this morning as we engage the text, I want to challenge you to prepare room in your heart for three things. The ruler of heaven and earth, the good shepherd, and the king of the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, this season may we prepare room for you in the very depths of our soul. Help us to have a deeper and fuller understanding of what it means that you have come for us, that you were born for us. Lord God, by the work of your Spirit, through the Word, change us, mold us, and shape us so that we are more like the Christ child in His lowly state. Help us to hear what it is that you have to say this morning. Amen. So there are three things that we're going to look at. The first is that we should prepare room in our hearts for the ruler of heaven and earth. Now there are two verses that I want us to look at in our text this morning. The first is verse 2. The second is verse 6. Notice in verse 2 that it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw, notice this, his star, not a star, we saw His star when it rose and have come to worship Him. Now, scholars go back and forth regarding this star. I tend to think it was a supernatural event. 
I tend to think that God miraculously, from our perspective, not miraculous from God's perspective, used this star as a sign to point to the long-expected Messiah of Israel. This was His star. And then you notice in verse 6, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And we know that Jesus is the word that came in the flesh. And we know according to the New Testament, according to the Gospels, that Jesus is the creator of all things. Yes, it is His star. And so even in the Christmas passage of Matthew, we are reminded that He is the ruler of heaven and earth. He has left the glory of the throne room of grace. He has entered into time and space. He has entered into this fallen world for us. This child, this small infant child, is the ruler of heaven and earth. And where is He now? He lived a perfect life. He obeyed the covenant perfectly. He went to the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. And He ascended into heaven and He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. This means that He has returned to heaven. He has returned into the presence of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He has entered into perfection and He sits down and He's the ruler of all things. I've mentioned this before. I used to hear that phrase at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And I would just think of Jesus as a child sitting in a small chair next to His Father. And that's just the wrong imagery. It's military imagery. That He, is, that he has power and He has authority and that He is conquered and that He rules. Here's the thing. He does not rule over us angrily. He does not rule over us as a tyrant. He does not rule over us in an unworthy manner or fashion. How does Jesus rule? How does He exercise His authority? And we know according to the Gospels, it's in love and with grace and with mercy, that's Jesus. That He rules over His people in a loving, gracious, merciful manner. It's hard for us to grasp sometimes. I've never met the President of the United States. Any of them. I've never met the Governor of Tennessee. Honestly, I've never met the mayor of Cargerville. All of these people rule over me. I don't know them. Sometimes they do things that I think are right. Sometimes they do things that are wrong. So it's hard to understand what it means to have authority over you. Really. And there's Jesus. 
And he has authority over our hearts, over our lives, and he cherishes us. And what is he doing right now on the throne of grace as he exercises authority over us? The word of God says that he is singing over us and that he's praying for us. And so let that be an encouragement to you this morning, this Christmas season, that there is a ruler in heaven who loves you and cares for you, who is praying for you, who sings over you, who has perfect authority over you. Acts 2 verses 33 reads, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. His authority over your life means that His Spirit comes to you to minister to you in your weakness, in your troubled state. He knows, He understands that you live in this sinful world, that the kingdom has not come in its all, all its fullness. He knows what's going on in this world. He knows how hard it is. He knows the sadness you feel. He understands the shame that you feel. And yet He sends His Spirit to love you, to give you grace, to minister to your heart, to lift you up. I need that ruler with authority over me and my life. I need that. Not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. So we prepare room in our heart for the ruler of heaven and earth. We prepare room in our heart for the good shepherd. Notice in verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, you've already mentioned this, who will shepherd my people Israel. I love the fact that Matthew has mentioned that and we think about the other Christmas passages that talk about the shepherds keeping watch over the flocks by night. Ezekiel 37, 24 in the Old Testament, it says, My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. Even in the Old Testament, they're pointing to the fact that there is going to come the Messiah who will be a shepherd. Now that's imagery that's very familiar to them. Someone who cares for something else. Someone who protects something else. Sheep. And they're saying that a servant David, a Davidic son, according to the Davidic covenant, shall come for Israel. And notice this. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. And he, he did. Jesus comes as the shepherd. He comes as ruler. He comes as king. He comes for His people. And God sends Him out of love because the Father knows that we cannot obey the covenant. We are very good at breaking His laws. We have PhDs in rebellion and disloyalty. We don't want 
to follow Him like we should, as the Word of God reveals and even His nature reveals. And so God comes for us. And that, I have to tell you, that's hard to grasp sometimes. That He has come for this fallen, disobedient, unloving, pastor, husband, father. I did something on Christmas Day. I mean, it doesn't rank up there with the greatest sins of all time. It's minor. But I was alone and I was thinking about what I had said and I just thought, I'm so sinful. I'm just not who I want to be. And here comes the shepherd. And he comes to obey all the laws that I cannot obey. And then he takes the punishment that I deserve. That's unbelievable. Sometimes I think I hear it so much I become numb to it. And then the Word of God jerks my ear and says, pay attention to this. God's grace is the greatest gift of all. 1 Peter 5.4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So not only does the shepherd come to obey the laws that I cannot obey, not only does the shepherd come to save me, to redeem me, to draw me unto Himself, but the Word of God is telling me that He is going to come again when the kingdom comes in all His fullness. And because I belong to His family, because I belong to Him, I will receive, I will receive, what? The unfading crown of glory. No way. No way. This is unreal. That the Good Shepherd will crown me with the unfading crown of glory. Because I belong to Him. Because I've been adopted into His family. Because He has come for me. Because of the love of the Father. And because of the work of the Holy Spirit, crowned in glory. I don't deserve that. Not at all. And that is why we should prepare room in our heart this morning for the Good Shepherd. Thirdly, let us prepare room in our hearts for the King of the Kingdom. The King of the Kingdom. Here come the wise men. Here come the magi. Scholars differ on exactly who they were. I think, doesn't mean I'm a scholar, I think that more than likely they're coming from Persia and that they are astrologers of some sort. And so when you look at Matthew and you Think about the wise men. You have to ask the question, I believe, why is this here? Why is this here? 
Why does Matthew go to great lengths to describe these magi coming to see Jesus and bringing him gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense? Why? It's there for a reason. Like I mentioned on Christmas Eve, that the swaddling clothes in Luke are there for a reason. I think it's pointing backwards and forward. Luke and Matthew knew Jesus well. They knew the Word of God well. This is what they're doing. In the Old Testament, Israel was supposed to be a priest to the nations. Israel was supposed to love the Gentile neighbors that surrounded them. They were to obey the Word of God in such a way that the nations of the world would come to Israel and they would say, your God is great. Your God is holy and sovereign. Your God is blessing you in a way that we cannot imagine. We want to just dumb it down. We want what you have. And as that transpired, as that happened, Israel would be a priest to them and would point them to Yahweh as God and King. And what do we know from the Word of God that they failed at this over and over and over again? But you continue to see in the Old Testament the promises of God that His people will be the nations of the world, not just Israel. And so I want you to understand this by looking at Psalm 72. This is a long passage, but it's important. So let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 72. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 19. This is Solomon writing, the son of David, a Davidic king that belongs to the Davidic covenant, the leader of Israel. And here's what he writes. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. He's talking about a future Davidic king, one of his heirs. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. Notice this. Those are Gentile nations. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. Again, very wealthy Gentile nations at the time in which Solomon wrote this. May all kings fall down before him. All kings. Yes. Davidic kings and kings who rule Gentile nations around the world. May all kings fall down before Him. All nations serve Him. For He delivers the needy when He calls the poor and him who has no helper. Now, Solomon is beginning to think about the Davidic son who will bring about the kingdom in all its perfection. That this kingdom will be a redo of the Garden of Eden. This Davidic son will be a helper to Jewish people and to Gentiles. Verse 13. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, He redeems their life and precious is their blood in His sight. Whoa. Is He talking about Israel? Yes. Is He talking about the Gentile nations of the world? Yes. 
Long may he live. Now notice this. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually. And blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruits be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name, this Davidic son, this Redeemer, this Messiah, may his name endure forever. His fame continues as long as the sun. May people be blessed in Him. All nations, hear that? All nations call Him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has alone done wondrous things. Not the other gods of the Gentile nations. The many gods that the Gentile nations worship. Here, that it is the God of Israel alone who has done these things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and Amen. The Magi represent the Gentile nations coming to Jesus. And they are bringing Him the wealth of the nations. And so Matthew is telling us by presenting this story that the kingdom is coming. He is writing to a Jewish and Gentile audience, possibly in Antioch, and he's telling them, have hope. Do not be afraid. Do not think that God has forgotten you, that He does not love you, that He does not care about you, because the kingdom is even in the form of this little child, is coming. Because the Gentile nations of the world are bringing them their wealth. And one day, all people will worship Jesus as King because He has brought the kingdom and all His fullness and all things on earth will belong to Him because He has redeemed and renewed all things to Himself, He will have made everything right. So we prepare room for Him in our hearts this Christmas because life is hard and life is challenging and it's frankly not what it should be most of the time. But the promise belongs to us that this King that the Magi brought their wealth to is coming again. And He has told us time and again, over and over in His Word, that I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten about this world. I have not forgotten about my people. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. I'm gracious. I'm merciful. I'm loving. I'm coming again. Have hope. Prepare room in your heart for this King. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank You that you are our ruler, you are our shepherd, and you are our king. Father, may our worship be pleasing to you. May our lives be pleasing to you because of the trust that we have in your word and in the cross. Comfort us with the Holy Spirit. Minister to us through the Holy Spirit. And remind us continually according to your word that you are coming again as a victorious king for your people. It's in your name and for your sake we pray. Amen.